Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. If you have your Bibles, would you go ahead and open them to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, We are making our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and this week we'll be in verses 17 through 20. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. We've been looking at this wonderful sermon of Jesus, and we've been really kind of leaning into the idea that Jesus is our teacher. We are his disciples, and so that means we are the learners from Jesus, our teacher. And we should know his teachings, not just know about them in our minds, but we should know and embody those teachings of Jesus, our teacher. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus bearing his heart and his soul to us. And so he begins, we saw a few weeks ago, by announcing that excluded people are included in the kingdom of heaven. Last week, we saw him move from who is included, the the poor in spirit, the meek, uh, the ones who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness and so on. The who is included in the kingdom to what life in the kingdom is like. And we looked at salt and light, these wonderful metaphors that teach us that the kingdom life is about presence. And that presence sustains life and brings light to people who are in dark places. Now this brings up something interesting because for a Jew in Jesus' day, the Torah or the law was seen to be salt and light in the world. Yet Jesus is saying to a crowd of misfits, a crowd of outcasts, a crowd of even outsiders, that they are included and that they are salt and light. They are called to life in the kingdom. They are called to a life of being salt and being light. Do you think this might cause some problems in the religious community of Jesus' day? I mean, those were two metaphors reserved for their Bible, for the scriptures, for the Torah and the prophets. Uh, Would that cause a little bit of problem? Well, that's what leads us into the next part of Jesus teaching. So if you are physically able, would you stand in honor of the reading of the gospel of Matthew chapter five, verses 17 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. This is Jesus speaking. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated wherever you are. 
wanted to show this to you. Uh, went digging around and found it this year. I know you probably can't read it online, but uh, this plastic coated piece of paper is my mom's spaghetti sauce recipe. See, when I was uh, a second year senior in college, I think nowadays they call them super seniors. I like that much better. Uh, it, it makes it sound like you intended to go five years. But uh, in my fifth year, I was getting ready to be married at the end of that year. And so I went ahead and moved into the apartment that Lori and I would be moving into once we were married. Um, and so I was going to have to start cooking for myself. There was no more access to the cafeteria unless I wanted to pay for it. And so mom was wonderful and decided to send some of the recipes from home, some home cooking, so I could learn how to cook. And one of those was her spaghetti sauce. Now, I can almost, nowadays, I don't even have to look at this. I just keep it for uh, memory's sake, or maybe someday I'll pass this on down to Jackson when he moves into his first apartment. You know, it's just hamburger, and you brown that with salt and pepper, and you put some garlic powder and onion powder in there, and as that gets brown, then you drain the grease off, and you put in two cans of tomato sauce, and you get that going with some Italian seasoning. You put that in there. I don't even need the spoon anymore. I just you know kind of can tell by shaking it over the top you let that simmer while you get the pot of water going with salt in it and you get those noodles just down to al dente and then you put it together and it is wonderful it is wonderful to have a recipe it's wonderful to have a memory like this but i got to thinking when it comes to our passage this week and this recipe what is the purpose of this recipe for spaghetti what is the purpose i mean some of you will probably say well the purpose of the recipe is to know how to make spaghetti and that's true but that's not the whole thing that's not the whole goal that's not the fulfillment of the recipe the true purpose or the true fulfillment of the recipe is a stomach that is full of good spaghetti and meat sauce. That's the goal. You're probably hungry right now and you're dying for spaghetti with meat sauce after church. You can have a recipe. I mean, you know this is true. You can have a recipe. You can even be like me and memorize that recipe and still starve to death with that, memory, with that recipe memory in your head. The goal is to be able to actually make the food and sit down and feed a stomach so that it is full of spaghetti. That's the fulfillment of the spaghetti recipe. So there's a tension that's here. A recipe is good, and it should be followed. And I mean, when I was first starting out, I had to read that thing. I mean, it's, got, it's, it's kind of browned probably because there's some grease, or I got it too close to the fire. Like, I was, I was really trying to follow these instructions. It's good that it's followed, but its purpose is not accomplished until there's a person with a full stomach. That's the goal. This is also the tension that is felt in our passage today. So let's look at it more deeply, shall we? There was a recipe in Jesus' day and age, not for food, but for religion. They called it Torah and Navaim, the law and the prophets. 
That was the Hebrew words for law and prophets. This was their Bible. This is their scriptures, and it's what we call the Old Testament today. This also includes the Ketuvim, which is the writings. And so all of this together is, is, the, uh, is the scripture of Jesus' Judaism of his day. So let's look at what this recipe included in Jesus' day. The first word, we've said this many times, is the word Torah. And we, in our English translations, we call it the law. But Torah actually means instruction or teaching. Remember, we said this Sermon on the Mount really is Jesus giving a new Torah, a new teaching for his listeners, his heart and soul of what this kingdom of God that he was announcing was going to be all about. Now, we translate it law because there are some commandments that are within those first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This is what they call the Torah, the law, the teaching, the instruction. And they call it law because of the Ten Commandments, but those aren't the only ones. There are 613 in total, and all of them are spread throughout this grand story of these first five books of the Bible. Now, these commands or these laws were to function like a marriage covenant, a covenant between God and Israel, how they would live together and how they would restore the world together, that Israel would would follow these laws. and It would be different from all the other nations, and it would point the other nations to God so that they could learn from God as well. Now, when you get into some of those writings, those historical writings of 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, the Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, all of those, these writings tell the story in great detail of how well Israel followed those commandments or upheld their end of the covenant, how well they lived together with God. And how did they do? Well, if you have read those stories, you know that the words epic fail come to mind. I'm summarizing 600 years of, of history into two words. Epic fail. They did not uphold their end of the bargain. And so God sent the next, the prophets, the Navaim, the second part of what Jesus is talking about today. And those prophets were there to call people back to the covenant, to call people back to God. The word they would use is the word repent, which means to turn, to come back to God. Now, if you've read those stories, how did they do at listening to the prophets? Again, epic fail. There's no way around it. They, they didn't listen to them. They persecuted the prophets. They, they, uh, the, Jeremiah was thrown into a pit. Ezekiel was criticized. I mean, they did not listen. They did not do well at all. So God lets the consequences of their decisions follow through, and they end up a conquered people. The land and the city is destroyed, and they are led as captives away to Babylon. You think this is the end of the story. You think God has just wiped, wiped his hands clean and I'm just going to start again. But that is not the God that the Bible tells us about. Even though Israel has been unfaithful, even though they did not listen to God's mouthpiece, the prophets, the Nabaim, even though he had to allow the consequences of their action to follow through, He would not give up on them. He is the God who made a promise and he follows through. And so in Babylon, 
they hear the words of Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah chapter 31. I want you to hear this because it's important for us today in this idea of the prophet, the law, and the prophets. Because Jeremiah talks about both in this one passage, this one prophecy. Jeremiah chapter 31, and we'll begin at verse 31. It's the word of the Lord to Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, a new Torah, with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Listen to this. I will put my Torah within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Wow. What a word to a people who have broken the covenant, have broken the Torah, have not listened and not listened to the prophets who were calling them back, who have experienced the consequences of their action and are now sitting in captive lands. To hear these words that God is writing a new covenant, or for our metaphor, a new recipe. And God is going to write it on their hearts. What does that mean? It means it will no longer be a duty to follow it. It will just be something that they know how to do. And God will accomplish this this way. Are you listening? God will accomplish this through a great act of forgiveness. Wow. And the people were in Babylon hearing this and waiting. And they waited 70 years in Babylon for that great act of forgiveness, and it never came. The Babylonians fell, and and the next kingdom that was in line allowed them to return home, and still they waited for the great forgiveness. They got back to the land, and they rebuilt Jerusalem and its walls and the temple, and they waited for the great act of forgiveness. They waited through other nations that would come through, through the Seleucids and and the rise of the Maccabean Empire. And still they were waiting for the great act of forgiveness. Then the Greeks came in with Alexander the Great and they were still waiting for the great day of forgiveness. And then the Roman occupation came and they were still waiting for the day of forgiveness. A new idea began to emerge in the heart of the Jewish faith. Maybe, just maybe, if they got more people to follow the recipe, or even they could get people to memorize the recipe, then the kingdom would come. Then the great day of forgiveness would come to them. 
And a lot of emphasis began to be put on this. In fact, the Pharisees were kind of the driving force of this. If we could just get people to follow the law, if they would just obey, if they would just memorize the recipe, if they would be able to to know exactly what they were supposed to do. But they waited. And the day of forgiveness was still seeming far away. Then, all of a sudden, From out of nowhere, this Galilean carpenter's son named Jesus shows up and says that he is announcing this kingdom, this great day of forgiveness. It seems like he's come up with a new recipe, but he's inviting all the wrong people to the table. That was our first three sermons. He was inviting all the excluded people to be included at the table. He's telling them what life with a full stomach actually looks like. How they will have their stomachs filled so they can go out and make sure that other people have their stomachs filled. He called it salt and light. We looked at that last week. Salt and light, though, were metaphors for the Torah. And so that began to bring up ideas. Is he trying to get rid of our Torah? Is he going against Scripture? And Jesus, in our next few verses, turn back to Matthew chapter 5. Because in our next few verses, Jesus is not doing that. He gives an emphatic, no, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, the Torah, or the Navaim. He goes deeper in the verses that follow that. He says, not even the smallest detail should be changed. What was the the phrase that our English Bible uses? Not an iota, not a dot. An iota in Greek is a a tiny little dot of a a thing that's just a, a mark, kind of like us dotting an I or crossing a T, that not even the smallest part should be changed. The Torah and the prophets should still be taught they are good jesus emphasizes this very strongly and yet he creates and holds a tension here when he says even though it's good and even though should it be taught and even though nothing should be changed of it and those who are great will teach the following of the torah and the prophets he creates this tension because he says that he jesus has come to fulfill the law, and the prophets. And he also tells them that they will need a righteousness that's greater than the scholars, than the scribes and the Pharisees, if they want to see the kingdom of heaven. He has come to fulfill them, to accomplish what needs to be done. In essence, Jesus is saying, I'm the one the prophets were pointing to, to bring about this great day of forgiveness. I am going to do the things that Israel never could do. Do you think that would cause tension with religious leaders? He goes further and tells them that memorizing a recipe doesn't feed stomachs. They need to go beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees. The Pharisees had memorized the Torah. I mean, that's impressive. They memorized the first five books of the Bible. And not only that, but they memorized whatever anyone important who was a teacher had ever said about the first five books of the Bible. That's incredible. Talk about uh, recipe memorizing. That's incredible. 
But they did not fulfill the Torah by partnering with God to restore the world. They were more concerned with shunning the rest of the world so that they could be perceived as God's special elected gift. That is not the purpose. So Jesus says he is going to fulfill the Torah. What does he mean by this? The word Torah or the, I'm sorry, the word for, for, for fulfill that Jesus used is the word plerosai. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Plerosai. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Plerosai. Now, plerosai means to fill to the brim. If you would think of a cup, in fact, I have my little com- communion cup here. There's a little bit of space between where the juice ends and the top of the cup. If this was to be plerosi, it would need to come up about another half an inch to where it's all the way to the top and it can hold, but you're just a little worried that it might spill out the side. That is plerosi. It is completely filled. There is no space left that would need more juice. It's completely filled. But it also has the implication that it is completing something. It is completing the purpose of something. Jesus is saying that he is plerosi. He has come to plerosi the Torah, the law, and the prophets, that he will do everything that is necessary for those to be accomplished. He doesn't just know the recipe. He's going to prepare the food, and he's going to prepare it right down to the last detail, the way God longs for it to be. He will forgive people. He will heal people. He will include people. He will confront those who were using religion to exclude others. He will even die their death and descend into their hell and then be resurrected to new life or life to the full. He will play Rosai the recipe. That long-awaited act of forgiveness will finally take place. That long-awaited change of heart will be possible for human beings, for you and for me. Are you hungry for that recipe? Have you been trying to live this out on your own strength for a long time only to fail time and time again? Does that old habit keep creeping in? Do you find yourself alone? Do you know you need some help, someone to save you? Have you tried to memorize the recipe, in our case, the Bible? That's not a bad thing to do. We want to help you as a church to learn how to study the scriptures. I think Jesus was right when he said, don't change those. Don't don't relax those. They teach us something. It's not bad. We want to help you do that. But today, the good news is that the recipe has been prepared down to the last detail by Jesus, and it's available for you today, right where you are, right in your living room, your kitchen, your office, wherever you are watching today. You may ask then, what do I do? What do I do to take advantage of the recipe that Jesus has plerosi filled up and has prepared for me? What do I do? Well, you do the same thing I did whenever mom fixed her spaghetti. 
I brought my empty stomach to the table. I brought my need to where I knew it could be filled. And today, if you know you need a changed heart, bring your broken heart to Jesus' table. He has prepared the recipe for its healing, its fulfilling, right down to the smallest detail. It should be no surprise then that today we're going to invite you to come to the Lord's table with your hunger. I want you to know that when we come to the communion table, it is the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not Jeff McVeigh's table. It is not Cross Community Church's table. It is not the Church of the Nazarene's table. This is the table of Jesus Christ. And he has prepared the recipe right down to the final, most intimate, tiny detail so that you can experience what you need. Forgiveness and mercy, hope and his sustaining presence to lead you in your everyday life. So I'm going to invite you to bring your need, your hunger to him right now. I'm going to bow my head. We're going to pray. And then I'm going to invite you to go ahead and get your elements out, your bread and your cup or your cracker and water whatever you have, and let's prepare our hearts. Let's acknowledge our hunger for what Jesus has prepared for us. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we come to your table, and we are so grateful for the good news that you prepared and filled full everything that was necessary for us to receive grace upon grace upon grace, to receive you into our very lives, that our hearts might be changed, that our right relationship with God might be restored, and our right relationship with our brothers and sisters in the world would be again restored or established for the first time. So, Jesus, we come to you right now and we pray that once again in the bread and the cup, somehow, mysteriously, your spirit would enter our very lives just like the food, in the food and the drink. And our hunger for forgiveness, our hunger for healing, our hunger for hope will be filled up to the full. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your mercy. Thank you for your pleurosi, that you filled full the law and the prophets, that we might come to your table right now. For we pray these things in your name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to take the bread and remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, including the one who was about to betray him. And he said, this is my body. This is the new covenant. Take and eat. Would you take and eat your bread? On that same night, he took the cup. 
He poured it out. He said, this is my blood shed for you. The new covenant of forgiveness. Would you take and drink all of it? Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that we can receive from your table. Pray now that we would experience your love and grace. Pray that we, our, our hearts would be full, our hunger for you would be filled. We pray that you would send us out as agents of the kingdom of heaven to be salt and light, to announce the inclusion of the poor in spirit, of the meek, of the humble, of the ones who are hungering and thirsting for justice. For those who have been excluded, for those who are peacemakers, God, send us out to announce the good news. And I pray that we would know that you have done everything to fill up and create the new Torah that is written on our hearts. Send us out in peace, we pray. For we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand for the blessing right where you are all around the world and receive this blessing? And now, may you know that Jesus has done everything to meet the need of your hunger. I pray that you would experience the fullness of his recipe as he extends his grace, his compassion, and his mercy to you. I pray that you would hear his call to be included in his kingdom. And I pray that you will go and be salt and light in his name in your world. Go in peace, go in grace, and go announcing the good news. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Go in his name. Be safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. And have a great day. Thank you so much for taking this time to be with us today. I'm so glad that you were here. And we hope that you'll join us again next week. Have a great, great afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.